0: Welcome to a brand episode of Two Please. I'm your host, Alvin.
1: And I'm your co-host, Rohit. And uh, today we're going to talk about probably one of the most quotable, the most rewatchable, and one of the most original movies to come out in the last 20-30 years, at least in my opinion. And I know Abhin more or less feels the same. There's going to be a lot of uh, quotes flying back and forth tonight, folks, just giving you a heads up. Uh, It's one of those movies where, you know, once you start uh, quipping lines, it's really hard to stop. So, just putting that out there, the movie we're going to talk about is the 2008 uh, movie Tropic Thunder. And uh, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about themes, memorable moments, behind-the-scenes stories, plotline, etc. But before we do that, let's start the show.
0: While filming a
1: movie, three of Hollywood's biggest stars were kidnapped.
0: Were there some rewrites?
1: Now, they'll have to stop acting and start fighting back.
0: Those dudes was trained soldiers. Yeah!
1: And we trained actors. Ben Stiller, Ah! Jack Black, Robert Downey Jr. Hot
0: damn. Tropic Thunder.
1: Somebody close to you said, one more flop, it's over.
0: Somebody said they were close to me? August 13th, rated R. So, Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder, funnily enough, released 15 years ago. It's the 15th year anniversary of the film. And uh, is directed by Ben Stiller, starring Ben Stiller, Robert Downey Jr., Jay Baruchel, Jack Black, uh, Brandon T. Jackson, Steve Coogan, Steve Coogan, uh, and
1: of course
0: uh, Bill Hader.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. That's who I was referring to. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Oh, that,
0: that. Yeah, and Matthew McConaughey. Like, I mean, there's so much more. Like, you, I think we have probably forgotten somebody. Danny McBride. Danny McBride was definitely... Danny McBride. This, this Very book. great. Early Danny Nick, McBride. Nick, Nick Nolte. Nolt. Yeah. <laughs> so, so many people. This is a film chock-a-block filled with uh, with stars and yeah. written by Ben Stiller and Justin Theroux and yeah. Eton Cohen. Uh, now, if you know Justin Theroux from movies like uh, Mulholland Drive, he's on The Leftovers oh, and... Was a film that came out in two thousand eight, and it tells the story of a bunch of actors shooting a war epic in the middle of the Vietnamese jungle, who <laughs> unwittingly <laughs> find themselves in the middle of this uh, <laughs> drug racket. Yeah, like, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, like yeah, basically a cartel, like a Vietnamese uh, drug cartel
1: it's just such a brilliant premise right as, a, as an elevator pitch it's just we're going to make this meta movie about actors uh shooting not realizing they're in a real war situation that's it right off the bat yes. i'm like cool i'm in nice.
0: whatever yeah it is and, and the funny thing is i you know okay actually let's this is, i think this is the right time to get into uh first impression so let's let's jump into that when i first watched this movie i had no idea what it was about i just Same. i saw like I saw like really muscly dudes in an action film, and I assume okay, there must be a comedic element to it. Oh, let's say you take the buddy cop genre, and you throw it into uh, this wartime kind of film, is what I was expecting. What I got, on the other hand, was extremely surprising. Now, this film's legacy has been uh, controversial, to say the least. I think it yeah. is to our generation what Blazing Saddles was to the 70s. It's a film that Takes risks, toes the line multiple times, while performing a, a satirical take on the state of uh, modern filmmaking, especially Hollywood filmmaking. It opens with, and I think this is a, a moment for the memorable moment section. It opens with, in a certain way, which really confused me. I was like, well, I don't know what I'm watching, and then I proceeded to have the most hilarious ninety minutes of my life that up until that time that that I could I could remember. It is a movie that is very meta. It's very sharply written. And it has blends all genres of comedy very well. Like Ben Stiller is a, is a terrific writer. He manages the blend of slapstick meets satire very, very well. And this film is a true testament to it. Only uh, bolstered by acting performances.
1: I agree. I think largely I have, I had the same first impression. In fact, I think I may have watched this movie post-Iron Man. I'd probably seen Iron Man first. Mm-hmm. And that was my first proper introduction to Robert Downey Jr. So, you know, that that image had sort of set in my mind. My... And then I, I put this movie in. And like you said, the first three, four minutes of the movie, I'm like, okay, what is happening? Is this part of the movie? Not part? Like, what am I watching? And then the movie kicks in. It takes a good five, five to ten minutes for you to understand what the core premise is. But once you do, again, like you said, the most, probably the most belly laughs I've had in, in like a 90 minute time, right? There yeah. are quotes where, and because I was watching this on my laptop, I could pause, rewind, and just, you know, go 10 seconds mm-hmm. back, listen to something again, and just keep laughing. Probably the 90 minute extended to two hours, purely because I was pausing and like going, did he just say that? Or did he just do that? So, unexpected joy to have, uh, gone into this movie blind. Again, one of these mm-hmm. movies. But I don't know, in this case, even if you watch the trailer, I'm sure even the trailer is a little bit misleading on purpose, right? The idea is to yes. make you expect a certain form of movie and then uh, just hit you with something entirely different. So, again, similar. I think it is because of the subversion of the movie that it. Uh, my first impression of it is very strong. It is very vivid in mm-hmm. my memory. And I've gone back to watching this movie so many times. Like I said, it's... It's super rewatchable uh, it's one of those movies where even if you watch the same joke for the 10th 20th 30th time it still lands it still makes you laugh you know it doesn't feel stale it has its fair share of controversies which we'll get into mm-hmm. but again i feel comedy should get a bit of leeway right this the medium through which society pushes its boundaries uh, if not for if, if it's not allowed to do that then then how do we bring taboo discussions to light uh, yes the movie does does things which i don't think will fly today and i think not for better or worse it is for worse that we are in a in a, a time and place where this sort of movie can't get made this sort of movie should always have its place should always have uh, people in its corner but it is what it is uh, but i'm glad you know in that uh, moment in time uh, ben stiller was able to uh, put this script together just in get these super talented a bunch of actors uh, to buy into this crazy idea right and uh, all of them pull it off everyone is on on point on their a-game and it just i don't know man the the end product is just is one of those movies when i just think about it i start laughing
0: it's uh it's like it's just one of like there are so many moments and through yes. the years different moments have hit differently like i can tell you what and we'll get to the memorable moments i can tell you what was the moment in the film that i absolutely burst out laughing at and what were the moments that a couple of years later down i hadn't even noticed and then i clocked on after having <laughs> like watched a little a few more films or like understood how certain how the industry works and like like there's so much to get into so let's just quickly jump into the bts i feel right. this episode is going to be fairly short so it's going to be quite zippy so let's jump into the bts the weird bit of trivia that uh, I learned about this film is that Ben Stiller conceptualized it while working on Empire of Empire of the Sun, yeah. which was in 1987, a full 20 years before the film was being <laughs> film was made. So you could tell that Ben Stiller was on set of the Empire of the Sun, was watching a young Christian Bale uh, like blossom into a method actor, watching Steven Spielberg like it's a Spielberg film, right? Empire of the Sun yeah, yeah. is yeah, it's so watching a bunch of actors being weird. And just thinking of this great script idea, and then he finally got it uh, greenlit 20 audios later, and it became the movie that it is Tom Cruise was initially supposed to come in as the agent, the character Matthew McConaughey, hmm. but McConaughey, but Tom Cruise instead suggested that he wanted to be a really over the top studio head. So they wrote that part for him. And he said, I want two things. I want to wear a ball cap. And I want to have big arms. And I want to dance,"
1: I said. "I want to have fat hands, and I want to dance." And he looked at me. He was like, "What?
0: What?" And I remember, been I said, "No, no, man. I said I want fat hands, and I'm going to dance." I think a certain magazine got pictures of him on set, and they're about to publish it. And his lawyers threatened to sue them, so they had to bring uh, pull the pictures down because they wanted this to be a real surprise for the audience. I think even to this day there is I watch a lot of people reacting to this film on YouTube and there are there's a small community of them that don't don't realize that Tom Cruise is in the movie up until the end credits like (laughs) there are certain people who are able to crack it by the sound of his voice because he has that very distinct voice
1: he may be able to see me but I can't see him is that yes no (laughs) no it is (laughs) not. I had no I I see you
0: This film is super meta. I think there are a bunch of films it references. Primarily the big one being Apocalypse Now.
1: And, uh, and Platoon. Is, and Platoon. And
0: Platoon.
1: And Deer Hunt um, Hunter. And The other thing about uh, what inspired Ben Stiller, the one other thing I had read was he was hanging around with a lot of the folks who were in Platoon. And they were talking about how they had to do a boot camp before shooting to get into the, the psyche of their characters. And they were talking about how it really felt like they were there, they were in the war and Benster was sitting there listening to them going, what nonsense, guys. They're all actors at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Let's not act like we're soldiers and let's not uh, big ourselves up. And I think that sentiment is at the heart of Tropic Thunder as well. It carries on into the script where these actors want to pretend like they're in the shit, but, you know, these are pampered folks who, who are used to their vanity vans and Jack Black's character used to his... Uh, cocktail of drugs and stuff like that so when they're actually put in into the in, in into the shit or into the element uh, you realize how how uh, flimsy that facade of bravado is so yeah. again that that sentiment also plays uh, comes from platoon and so yeah apocalypse now you know towards the end of the movie is most uh, the most obvious references to Kurds and There's Platoon, then there's uh, Deer Hunter. Basically, all of these movies that are set in and around the Vietnam
0: War, and uh, of course, it pokes fun at uh, at mental illness films as well. Like, I don't remember a lot of movies that came out after this that were that you know that that were using those kind of films as Oscar bait. Like, if you go back, let's say between the 90s and, and the early 2000s, specifically, I Am Sam. I think for everyone, the movie I Am Sam stands out where which is with the hilariously over-the-top Sean Penn and uh, I I feel like with the way this movie pokes fun at certain Hollywood tropes it almost killed that uh, genre of film completely yes you've got peanut butter falcon but those are actually actors uh, who are uh, who who are are challenged who are Mm. suffering kind of syndromes so you're bringing their stories to life as opposed to uh, whatever performative Oscar bait nonsense was going on in the mid two thousands and the early nineties. Yeah, so... I think
1: the fact that Tropic Thunder, I am Sam, sort of killed the genre, but it could have undergone a revival. But Tropic Thunder's calling out of it now means that you know the 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 self awareness and the cognizance of the absurdity of those kind of films is out there. So I don't think that genre can make a comeback. Tropic Thunder. If, if I Am Sam killed it, Tropic Thunder put the last nail in the coffin.
0: Moving on to, on from that, we have Robert Dunny Jr.'s character. Now, when Robert Dunny Jr. first read the character, he's said, to, said that uh, this is probably the dumbest character I've ever read. <laughs> uh, but Ben Stiller is like, but you see what I'm trying to do? And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. And even on the, I think it's on the Joe Rogan podcast where Robert Dunny Jr. Uh, his he talk, talks about how his mother came to him and said, "Bobby, this is a bad idea. Like I, I have a bad feeling about this." And he's like, "Don't worry, Ma, I've got this." And I can understand his his mother's like grievances because Robert Downey has famously had a very troubled career, and it's 2008, yeah. like the dawn of the the dawnizance. I just came up with that. So Iron this Man is... is out. Is just is just hit theaters, and he's everywhere and it's like his stock is slowly beginning to rise again and uh, I can tell how his mother must have had the apprehensions that oh my god he's going to throw it all away again for this risky character but the way Robert Downey Jr. portrays the character of Kirk Lazarus who plays this dude called Lincoln Osiris is just perfection I think Kirk Lazarus according to Ben Stiller is modeled on three people It's modeled on uh, Danny Day-Lewis, it's modeled on Russell Crowe, and on Colin Farrell. This bad boy method actor uh, dude who is uh, a bit of a ruffian, always gets into trouble, throws himself into roles, and is very controversial. So I I think that's who they blaze Kirk Lazarus off. And Downey got nominated for this. So this was the year 2008. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, <laughs> which is never but, happening again, right? Actors in blackface is, yeah. are never
1: getting nominated again. <laughs> yeah, one even, and done.
0: In the, yeah, even in the in the context of the film, right? Because this is this is not a, a serious blackface portrayal. Like we have seen serious uh, misrepresentations yes. of races in the past. The one being, I think, going so far as back as to the early. 40s, late 30s, no, uh, with uh, Al, Al Jolson in 1927, yes. the jazz singer. 20, uh, 27, okay. yeah. So going for, as far back as that, where he's famously, like Al Jolson was uh, famously a Hungarian guy or a Latvian guy. One of, like, he was from Eastern Europe. He's not black. He, he was definitely not black. <laughs> and uh, the man was doing blackface on um, on film and was being applauded for it. I think what makes then the you...
1: blackface in this not disingenuous is that it's very self-aware, right? It It is yeah. poking fun at the absurdity of it. It's not trying to pass it off as something that's natural or acceptable. Which is... Uh, it is self-aware. So it, it is fine. It's, you sort of get a pass because of it.
0: I don't think anyone watching this film take, takes it seriously because it's very clearly meant to be a satirical take. And I understand yeah. people's perceptions that okay it it may be a satirical take but it's a take regardless and while doing so you kind of still like propagate the idea but i i am of the opinion that like the thing with comedy generally the thing the thing with comedy is that it should be able to highlight issues in society and poke fun of them without consequence of backlash and that's where i that's where i come from yes there are certain times where you could step over the line and you could um you know take it over the top, but I don't think this this role is guilty of
1: that. Absolutely. I mean, if if we're being politically correct with comedy, then what's left, right? Because
0: mm. Comedy
1: and discomfort have a, lo- a big overlap. You A lot of, yeah. I mean, when you're uncomfortable, one of our primary reactions or instinctual reactions is to laugh. So there is, at a very base you know, lizard brain level, there is something common to the two of them. So, Mm -hmm. great comedy comes at the edge of what's acceptable. But uh, yeah, I think uh, that's about the the making of the movie, the actors that were involved. Uh, Let me do a quick run-through of the plot and then we can get into the memorable moments and the broad themes. So, like we said at the outset, this is a movie about a bunch of actors who are brought in to do this prestige project, which is an adaptation of a book, uh, written by Nick Nolte's character whose name is Fourleaf. Fourleaf, right? Yes. His nickname is Fourleaf, mm. who his character claims to be, uh, to have been a Vietnam War vet. And he's written his autobiography, which is getting adapted into this big tentpole Hollywood project. Got a bunch of big stars. And uh, the movie also sets context right off the bat with showing fake trailers of the uh, of the movies these actors have been in. So in in Ben Stiller, you have this, prototypical action movie star, you know, in the mold of a Stallone or an Arnold in Kirk Lazarus, like you mentioned, you have this super involved, uh, rather I would say annoyingly involved method actor in the mold of, if you were to take a Daniel Day Lewis to its logical extreme, then you have Jack Black, who is essentially playing, I would say a mix of late Eddie Murphy and Mike Myers, you know, very Mm -hmm. lowbrow physical comedy uh, sort of star. Jay Baruchel is this nobody who is sort of getting his first break. Brandon T. Johnson plays uh, Al Pacino, uh, Hmm. who is this, who Hmm. is probably like a proto Justin Timberlake. I would say this musical star who's transitioning to movies. And Ice Cube
0: is what I was thinking.
1: Ice Cube is a better example. Hmm. So. Yeah, because Timberlake has uh, some semblance of talent in front of the camera. Ice Cube, you're just like, what is he doing in movies, right? So, Al Pacino is a good uh, example of that. So, it sets the context and you have these disparate bunch of characters who are in in the jungles of Vietnam to shoot a movie. And, uh, you know, initially, it's like... They're all too self-involved. Things aren't moving. So Nick Nolte's character tells the director, played by uh, an amazing Steve Coogan, that you need to put them in the real shit. Uh, Get into the field with them. Capture the raw emotion. And uh, in the pursuit of doing that, unbeknownst to the actors, they stumble upon, uh, like Abhin mentioned, uh, the Golden Triangle Territory, which is held by uh, one of these gangs called uh, Flaming Dragon. And uh, the rest of the movie is just these guys trying to... Play out the script, which they continue to believe for a disturbing amount of time. Uh, you know, that they're still being shot and they're still performing. So, there's a lot of performative uh, behavior from them, which to the people of Flaming Dragon who are, uh, who, who probably feel these guys are intruders and they're like, what the fuck is happening, right? Over time, obviously, they realize there's something more afoot and uh, then they. St- Kind of get more directly entangled with with Flaming Dragon, and that has repercussions with the studio as well, which is where Tom Cruise and Matthew McConaughey get involved. Things happen. Uh, ben Stiller's character, who, despite being an action star, in his heart of hearts want to wants to have some more dramatic heft to uh, wants to add that to his repertoire, finds an unlikely audience in in members of Flaming Dragon, and then he needs to be rescued which plays out and the movie ends with this ridiculous uh pivot that they do uh, you know making a movie out of this bizarre experience that they had and surprisingly somehow there's a happy ending to it so while yeah. i've described the plot i i you really can't you know a description can't do it justice because the 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 devil is in the details in this movie right the humor is in in the screenplay a lot more so than the script
0: yeah uh, I feel like if you now is I think we've kind of spoken about the film in, in a fairly non-spoilerish context I think this I mean if you want to go in blind it's, I'm sorry it's too late so if you haven't watched the film uh, I highly recommend that you do and come back this episode will be there for you because now we're about to delve into like full-blown spoiler territory because yeah. how mm-hmm. can we not like this film is going to, like this is this is the chunk of the meat and bones uh I honestly uh, don't know how we're episode, doing yeah.
1: memorable moments because. It- so yeah, for me, is, it's it's going to, to be the, the entire film. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> that was literally the, 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 the message I got, got from Rohit. I said, I said, Tropic Thunder, he said, cool. Then he sent me like a list of themes. And then he sent me memorable moments the entire film. So it was just... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can't even argue with that. But to, to our best, we will try and condense it as be much really. as possible. So anyway, here's your warning. It's about to go into memorable moments. Here we go. All right. Memorable moment number one the opening <laughs> the this one. The <laughs> I mean, oh. you, you can't talk about Tropic Thunder and not talk about the three trailers that play it because I, I watched this at home I don't think we had a theatrical release for it and if we did, yeah. there wasn't enough buzz around it, especially in Indian cinemas at the time. You were, I think, yeah. both in high school uh, 2008, yeah, definitely in high school yeah. so we definitely watched it on DVDs or VCDs, whatever. My God, VCDs! Look how we're dating ourselves. <laughs> so uh, at the time, so um, the three trailers it opens up with the first being Scotcher 6, <laughs> which is this this Terminator like like franchise.
1: I would say it's more Rambo, good. no? An yeah, I definitely... Installments, guy yeah, like... wearing camo, exactly. you know, bare arms. Yeah.
0: yeah, and then it like it's set in like this post-apocalyptic. It's set in this post-apocalyptic uh, world where, like, it's just, the heat is everywhere. But then Scotch-6 flips the tropes, and it's icy yeah, it's and it's wintry. Yeah. And it and cuts to the st-
1: typical uh, trailer voice, in a yeah, world. Yeah. It's like, Scotch-6, here we are mm-hmm. again. Again. <laughs> so, so what is happening?
0: And he's did it six <laughs> more <Four> times. times. <laughs> and then it cuts to Ben Still as as Tuck Speedman who obviously has to quip. So he says, Who will let the fridge open? <laughs> and then you have Scott. <laughs> So I'm already confused. I'm like, huh? And then you have the clumps, which is like this take on Nutty Professor, is what I would assume. Uh starting like always. No, yeah, no, no bit, yeah meets, no, meets uh, Nutty Professor is what I thought. Yeah. And again, very low bro, fart humor. Uh, um, like, you're the low, lowest hanging fruit possible, starring a dude yeah. named Jeff Portnoy. At this point, I've kind of clocked and I'm like, okay, fine. So this is clearly like a meta take. And I love it. Yeah. But whatever, the Jeff Portnoy trailer is you're not laughing at it as much as you do in the following trailer.
1: Yeah. I would say Jeff Port- the Jeff Portney movie trailer is the weakest of the three. But what follows Satan's Alley, starting, starting Kirk Lazarus, is... <laughs> no, that movie uh, exists. They should make it. it is the funniest. What
0: do you so mean? The movie exists, It's but it's not called Satan's Alley. So in 2019, 2020, not 2021, I would say, Paul Verhoeven, who is famous for a bunch of... Extremely intelligent. Like, intelligent would be wrong. Extremely famous films. Because if I say intelligent, I have yeah. to talk about showgirls. So let's say, <laughs> like, some of the most classic films of all time. Uh, directed a movie, an entirely, a, French, a French movie called Benedetta. Uh, which is this period piece oh, yeah. set in, let's uh, say, the 15th century. And it's a true story, is from what I know. It's about these two nuns who fall in love with each other. And one of the nuns is uh is supposed to be seeing visions of Christ. And so she becomes this holy figure. And you know, of course their their love is unpure and it's obviously set in a time where stuff like that is frowned upon. So <laughs> the Reddit thread for Benedetta is like, oh, what do you think of the film? <laughs> the first comment is Satan's alley, Buddha of the crying <laughs> monkey <over."> award.
1: <laughs> At the Beijing, At the Beijing, film Beijing Festival. festival. So, uh, five-time Academy Award winner Kirk Lazarus. MTV Best Kiss Award winner Toby <laughs> Maguire. <laughs> like, what the fuck?
0: And of course, set to the tune of uh, sa- Sadness or Sadness by Enigma. Enigma's, Enigma, that's the song playing in the back.
1: <laughs> that trailer is just perfection. I wouldn't change a single thing about it.
0: And that's where the mo- And then the movie starts. And, then and literally by the have- time
1: the start. I'm like fuck yes, I am in whatever
0: this is. I am in, and it just gets better. Like you have the this huge action sequence that takes place, and, and I'm still thinking, okay, this is like what is this? Because now, I mean, I, I guess this is like a, a movie about movies, and you have the you have Jay Baruchel's character. I think he plays a dude named Kevin Sandusky. Yeah. Now for the longest time, I thought and I, I probably am wrong about this, but this is my assumption. I assume Jay Varyshal's character was like a tribute to Shane Black in Predator, where mm. Shane Black was basically, because he kind of looks like Shane Black in Predator, this lanky the dude. nerdy character. Um, yeah, the nerdy character with glasses in a group filled of of dudes with these uh, huge ass muscles.
1: Neither in
0: Exactly, and I just thought he was Shane Black. I thought he was some—he's someone who was who worked on the film as a writer, and because he because they needed another guy, they just kind of cast him. So Shane Black was that dude for Predator. So, uh, but I—I I think that's not the case. That it, it's just some random, like a newcomer that they pulled into the film. So they're all in the middle of this intense war sequence, and that's where Doug Speedman's character comes running through uh, uh, through through a field. And he's getting shot multiple times and he's still not dying. I was like, okay, so clearly like this is, this is a film <laughs> sequence. And then he kind of, someone tries to torpedo the, or uh, rather like they try to shoot a missile at, at the helicopter and he jumps and he catches with his hands. <laughs> so his hands are like rubbery. And then there's this really intense sequence between uh, Robert Downey character, Lincoln Osiris, as he's called now in the film. And and Tuck Friedman's character, and they're, and they're having this really emotional moment where R D J is spitting on him, and then it cuts, and then you look around and you see that this whole thing is a big facade. And then the two actors throw a bit of a tantrum, and then that leads the director to lose his shit because he's an, in, he's an inexperienced director, incapable of ha- handling egos, which then sets off a, sets up a chain of events yeah. leading to Danny McBride blowing up half the <laughs> fucking strip.
1: Mother Nature just pissed her pantsuit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that entire sequence with Jack Black hanging off the helicopter as the explosions are going off behind them is just hilarious. And the, the immediate line I think there's a shout out to Maria Menunos, who kind of is in this film for like a minute, but more or less steals like, has some of the best jokes in the film because she's like, oh, this is a film that's five days into schedule. Uh, five days into shooting is one month behind schedule. i is <laughs> just both <laughs> sort of laughing. And yeah, but we, we'll get to that bit because I feel Marina Menounas has won, has a has a crowning glory achievement coming through. But what did you think of the first sequence in the in the film?
1: That was, again, a great setup, right? Five, first five minutes sets up the, the tour of the movie and what to expect. I think the next memorable moment for me is uh, the video call they have with uh, Les Grossman where Les is like, he looks around and he's like, you! Yo, the director, he's like, who's the key grip? Come here. <laughs> so he's looking for the guy who has the strongest hand. Strongest hand. Yeah. Punch him in the face, really hard. And Then he, <laughs> he tears Steve Cougar and newer he's like, I'm going to have my hand so up your ass, or so up so up your behind, that every time you have a thought, it's got to tiptoe past my wedding ring. I'm like,
0: who wrote this? <laughs> and who thought? And... And if anyone had this on like a bingo card that Tom Cruise would say a line like that, like, I mean, props to you because you would never ever in your life expect Tom Cruise to be this dude.
1: Yeah. It is just it's, insane.
0: But yeah, I think we just, we skipped over the, the Maria Menuna's bit because she's talking about this on, I think, Access Hollywood or something. And they're talking about Doug Speedman's career. Now... Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, Dark Speedman really needs this because I think the year prior he, he he swung for the fences and uh, did a movie called Simple Jack. And now, Simple Jack has been on the pod of you. I think it's on the There Would Be Blood episode, if I'm not mistaken. Let's get this out of the way. <laughs> but anyway, so it's this, too, over the top, like Oscar bait uh, film uh, on on autism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, he has this starter where, where, where he kind of stutters over his M's. And I think he says, I have a good brain. And she says, and his wife, that's Christine Taylor, his, that's Ben wife in the movie, uh, is actually in the film. And you have a fine brain, Jack. And he says, you make me happy. And Maria Mononos... <laughs> follows that up with saying but now the question is can speedman m- m- make audiences happy in what's being called the most expensive right war back. movie never made <laughs> I <think we're>
1: <laughs> there's that and there's one more I think one other reporter says uh, you, you something you know people used to uh, now you don't have as many people who love you or something and then duck uh, speedman they actually, someone said they love me <laughs> yeah
0: Tairabanks Tairabanks is on the He's on the Tyra show. Hilarious, so, hilarious. Mm.
1: But um, okay, to, to get it out of the way, so what happened was this is uh, sometime when, I think 2009, 10, when we were all at a quiz somewhere, me, I've been, and a bunch of other friends. That day, I had not combed my hair, and my hair has a natural tendency to come down like this. Right? This is how it sits if I don't do anything about it. And um, apparently, that day, my hair was a bit foppish. So, <laughs> one of our friends were like, uh, Hey, Macha, you look like Simple Jack, da. And these motherfuckers have called me Simple Jack for the last 12 years. I have grown my, head, my hair. I have <laughs> my hair. I have my hair. There's a fucking poster that's done the rounds.
0: I need to find this poster because I don't know who made it. It was me. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> I need to find it because... Uh... Uh, oh, dude, it was it was hilarious. But anyway, has outgrown the simple jacket. It was he had yeah, the hairline. And yeah, it was... I'm, I'm shredded
1: now. I'm Not, but still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's that's a bit of a but, pop,
1: uh, yeah. Pop I'm, I'm glad we addressed it out of the way for our friends who uh, might be listening to the pause. There, mm-hmm. I've addressed it. Let's move on. Uh, okay, I done. think the next the next moment I want to talk about is um, when Nick Nolte says, "Yes, you know, send him out into the shit," and uh, Steve Coogan. Goes along with the actors into the jungle and uh, unknowingly steps on this <laughs> mine and just blasts. Like while I'm watching the movie, I was like, "Wait, is that? Did that guy just die?" And then Robert Downey Jr. or Lincoln Osiris goes to the guy and he's like, "This guy is dead." They're like, "No, no, it's not part of the movie. He's like, Ain't no motherfucking movie.
0: This guy is dead." Yo, asshole! This motherfucker's dead. Ain't no Chris Angel mind freak, David Blaine, trapped all horse shit, jumping off here! <laughs> what is happening? And then Ben's look, picks up the head, which is clearly a prop head, and he proceeds yeah. to eat it, saying, It's just consera, like it's just Concerta. Very disgusting <laughs> moment. And this is the time where the Flaming Dragon uh, group has like a, a scouting troop. And yeah. so they're watching this from within the jungle. And they're, and they're they must, like,
1: what like, the who are these hardcore motherfuckers <laughs> eating their friends' head?
0: <laughs> and they're like, they have no fear of death. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, which leads me to my next uh, favorite moment, right? Which is when they start shooting from the tree line. Dinkin uh, Osiris is like, hey, you know, somebody's actively shooting at us. We need to get cover. she's like, no, 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 these are part of the effects. We need to, you know, he's trying to. Uh, trick us into uh, realism and you know we need to play our parts and then he goes you know right towards the tree line this was the moment the first time I watched I laughed the hardest right so Ben still gets down on one knee and he does this cinematic like <laughs> he just shoots the gun around yeah. and he's like yeah get some like, and I'm just imagining how the flaming dragon guys are looking at this it. like what the fuck is happening this guy is like doing some performative Gun action, like it's, hilarious. but then
0: that's also weirdly insane because I think that's the time where uh Danny McBride's character has kind of set up C4 charges all across the jungle, yeah. and that and that so, goes off when and, throws a grenade, and he yeah, right, it's
1: a fake grenade, but the actual C4 goes off, so, so yeah.
0: and so there, so Flaming Dragon are fully convinced that there's some military troop that's out there hunting them. Yes. <laughs>
1: Oh my god!
0: And as yes. these actors go into the jungle, they're uh, they're more hopelessly lost, no? So yeah. and in, in in the middle of that, you you have uh, Brandon T. Jackson's character promoting uh, booty sweat. I think that's his drink. Oh, we didn't mention booty sweat entirely. Booty sweat is the commercial that plays before all of these. Yeah. So it. booty sweat and uh, some some nuts. What? Buster nut? Yeah. Buster, Buster nut yeah. and booty sweat. Yeah. And he's like promoting booty sweat as he's walking through the jungle, and it's very clearly becomes indica- uh, open to them that they're that they're not that they're lost.
1: Yeah. So so there's this whole uh, bit about how uh, both Ben Stiller and uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. try to influence Kevin, saying, "Hey, uh, you want to be on my side, right, Lincoln?" The, uh, RDJ's characters like, that, clearly not in the movie. We need to get the fuck back to civilization. And Ben Stiller's character is trying to convince him, saying, "Hey, let's keep let's keep going. We're clearly being uh, recorded, and you know all of this is part of the movie." And they both basically like this whole thing takes place over a pee break, which again is is you know it's a hilarious scene. And uh, after some point, it becomes more clearer and clearer to the rest of the group that they're seriously lost. So RDJ decides to take matters into his own hands, goes and talks. Uh, Ben Stiller's character up saying, hey, man, you look really shredded. What diet are you doing? You know, he distracts him, takes the map out of his hands and then it sort of confirms that, you know, they're way off base. And now they're like, okay, we need to find our way back. Uh, Which is when I think, is this around the time when that, you know, there's a couple of interactions between uh, Al Pacino and uh, Lincoln Osiris where Brandon T. Jackson's character is essentially calling out the fact that you know, you might say what you want but dude at the end of the day you're you're an Australian playing a black guy which is super problematic. And uh, he keeps calling uh, Lincoln I or think there's a name, kangaroo jack. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's a line where he talks about there's there's one good part for a black guy and they've given it to a, an, <laughs> to an Australian the crocodile guy. dundee
1: and suddenly the <laughs> camera zooms in you know it's like this dolly zoom on uh Lincoln and face like uh, you know, he's like, what, what, what do you he say? Careful, careful what do you say. And then he's like... He's yeah, the uh, national treasure. Yeah, he's a national treasure. He's like, I want to put another shrimp on your barbie. The dingo eats your baby. <laughs> and then Lincoln was says, like, you know what that really happened? you about to cross some lines, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then... And then,
0: no. Uh, no, but even before that, I think, uh, uh, even before that, he says... Whoa. <laughs> where I think someone, one of the actors makes a throwaway comment saying, you people just don't get it. I am not believe you people. Huh? What do you
1: mean, you people? What do you mean, you people? Huh? <laughs> that and... Uh...
0: And then the scene you're about to talk about.
1: Yeah, the scene, which is, I think, my favorite like uh, Robert Downey Jr. moment, right? Just five, to five mm-hmm. seconds of sheer brilliance, which is when uh, Brandon D. Jackson is saying, uh, this koala as the N-word. Yeah. This koala yeah. as N. And uh, immediately, uh, RDJ, or as uh, Lincoln slap slaps him. him. The guy tries to punch him back. He holds the punch, pulls him back. And then he looks at him for 400 years. <laughs> that word has kept us down. <laughs> 400 years, that work has kept us down. What the
0: fuck? And when I saw this the first time, I started clapping. I was like, oh, dude, you have such a Hollywood thing, right? You have these guys who pretend to be who they're really not. And you have taken it to the max extreme and it and delivered a moment so perfect every single time I watch it. And I've watched that scene a mul- an insane amount of times. Every time I watch it, I start laughing.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's so well done.
1: Uh, and there's there's one more uh, jibe that uh, uh, Lincoln Osiris throws at Al Pacino, which is later on in the film. when uh, so throughout the course of this shooting, Jack Black has got a, a, a you know a batch of cocaine with him because uh, he's an addict. Mm-hmm. And at one point, uh, this bat comes in and steals his cocaine and ends up take, uh, you know him taking all of it in. Uh, there's also a moment in between when uh, Jack Black tries to catch the bat and bite its head off, which is just a minute of sheer insanity. <laughs> I'm like, seriously, what the fuck is happening, right? And then he starts withdrawing. Uh, he starts getting withdrawal symptoms. He wants to drink uh, that river water. And uh, Lincoln says, uh, yeah, how, why don't we give him uh, Al Pacino's, uh, Alpa's ass water. <laughs> <laughs> a Booty sweat, <laughs> ass water. Yeah, get him chugging on some of Alpa's ass water. That'll bring him around. It's a cure-all.
0: <laughs> I was like,
1: who wrote the lines, man? Who wrote these lines? Uh, around that scene, again, you know, the other hilarious gang in the movie later on is uh, Jack Black's withdrawal symptoms, right? So he starts going uh, more and more off the rails. So they tie him to a tree. And he's like, hey, Kevin, give me those drugs. A- you have some drugs? i like, no. Your mother was a cantankerous whore. <laughs> hey, yeah, you remember a minute ago when I said your mother was a cantankerous whore? I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean that. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, "You give me some drugs, man. I'll suck a dick. I'll work. I'll work the no, Yeah, but this,
0: this, this, this happens after. And I'll drink the gravy. <laughs> like I remember this scene because the scene happens right after Brandon T. Jai. They ask him if there's somebody waiting back for him. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and he's like oh, a dude. Yeah, he's like, yeah. Who? His name's Lance? like, Lance? It's like, no, I, I said, Nance, I didn't say Lance. You definitely said Lance. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. Like, it's fine. You, it's okay for all of us to be gay. And one of the first few films in the, in, the, in the 2000s that didn't poke fun at people for being gay. Yeah. It was like, okay, we accept it. And then, of course, the, the joke about how Jack Black's character is like, dude, like, I'll, I'll suck your dick.
1: <laughs> I, I, f- I forget the ex- exact line, but he said, uh, I'll walk the shaft, I'll, I'll crank to this thing, uh, and I'll drink the gravy. <laughs> 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 And, and the middle of uh, all of God this, he talks about uh, Lance and Nance amaz- uh, another amazing RDJ line. He's like, uh, "Were you thinking about Lance? Uh, or were you thinking about Nance when you had your uh, what is that? Uh, your uh, nuts on his forehead or something? I forget the exact line, but even that line, there's some amazing throwaway lines in the movie which they don't even draw attention to it. But on repeated viewings, you're just like, "Fuck, they actually like I, I missed this line."
0: There's, there's so much, like I feel like we, before all of this even happens, there's that moment where, uh, where Ben Stiller's character stumbles upon a panda, he kills a panda. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he calls Matthew McConaughey, uh, Rick, I've killed the thing I love the most. What, a whore? That's fine, we can figure it. No, I've killed a panda. Amanda? Man, <laughs> why are you telling me her name? It's fine, she's probably dead already. <laughs>
0: Oh man. And then he stumbles on, and then he gets ca- captured by the Flaming Dragon group, and who's led by like this 13 year old boy called Tran, and yeah. who starts whipping him. Still, He still thinks he's he's acting. And uh, it, as he's whipping him, Ben Stiller's uh, Simple Jack starter comes to the fray. <laughs> yeah. And it turns out that these guys don't get a lot of movies. And the only movie they've seen and they've really loved is Simple Jack in a long <laughs> time, because I. And so it turns out, and he's like, okay, so you need to... And then they did decide to make <laughs> Ben Stiller perform Simple Jack for the, for the camp. Uh, and he also forgot about what? the
1: interaction between uh, Lincoln Osiris and uh, Tuck Speedman when they're walking and talking about Simple Jack. Oh, right, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, Lincoln Osiris is, Osiris is like, uh, you really got into the character, didn't you? And then <laughs> uh, Tuck Speedman is like... There were times when I was doing Jack that I actually felt retarded like really retarded you know like and then uh, lincoln is like yeah like an idiot an absolute moron stupid and then tuck uh, Speedman's is like yeah while i was shooting the movie f- scene. He's like yeah yeah sure sure <laughs> and then he gives him the whole spiel about you shouldn't have gone uh, too retarded he gives examples like uh, Forrest gump sure he had a mental deficiency but you know he won at ping pong he did he opened a business blah blah, blah. Uh, uh what are that? mentally this thing sure but not retarded what is the other example he gave? rain man uh, sure he had uh, a mental issue but he could count cards was great at math I mean, he's not retarded i am sam that's where they actually call i am sam out specifically as yeah. a, a very egregious example of uh, a bad trope uh, in this space and then that entire scene is just it's it it is hilarious but it's also a very intelligent meta commentary that scene yes has a lot of depth to it beyond just the humor
0: because I think even he talks about it, right? He talks about how he spent and spent time with, um, uh, especially with challenged children, with people to get into the characters or the role. And then they talk about how it almost refers to the part of where actors can tend can tend to go overboard with, um, with performances like this. Uh, and this is a throwback to one of our previous episodes where Jared Leto played, uh, a, played a blind dude in Blade Runner, and he had to be led around set because he, had, he was wearing like opaque contact lenses which Roeth famously hits
1: yeah I mean uh, see I, I I shit on Jared Leto a lot justifiably so in my in my mind uh that said one of his performances is in my top performances of all time which is uh mm. his performance in Dallas Bias Club so if we ever do mm. an episode on Dallas Bias Club you'll hear me sing praises of Jared Leto in that but apart from that he's a massive having answered that bit. Um So yeah, there's also another throwaway line about uh, excessive immersion which just came to me. There's, I don't know at what point uh, Robert Downey Jr. says this, but he's like, uh, I remember when I played, uh, I think it's in this exchange only. It's, I remember when I played Neil Armstrong in Moonshot. Uh, after mm. the shooting was done, they found me in an alley in Burbank trying to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere in a garbage box. What?
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the sequence where they're trying to retrieve...
1: Uh, Oh, it's towards God. the end, right? Where, towards where the, the ends end.
0: Yeah. yeah, no, where they find him in, uh, they, they find him inside, and he's he's called Stockholm Syndrome.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's that, and we haven't even addressed uh, the the Tom Cruise scenes, right? We've only spoken about the first one. I think the yes. part, I, and again, this for me is probably the funniest scene of the movie, uh, is when Flaming Dragon calls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to negotiate. Uh, he calls. Yeah, when uh, they call Rick. Uh, and then Rick is still thinking it's, a, it's about a TiVo discussion and he's, uh, he's in Les Grossman's office. And then Les Grossman like, uh, who is this? And this is the third time uh, that that Flaming Dragon dude is asked about it. So he's like, we are Flaming Dragon. And then Tom Cruise is like, Flaming Dragon? Okay. First off, take a step back and literally, fuck your own face. <laughs> they show that cut to the guy. He's like, What? I don't know what sort of pan-Pacific play you got going here, but Asia Jack is my territory. So you wanna make sure that I don't come down on your ass, because otherwise you gotta to go to the UN and get a binding resolution because I'm gonna go full scorched earth on your ass, motherfucker. I will I'll rain an ungodly fucking firestorm upon you. I will fuck you up. Then he catch the call? Find out who that was. <laughs> like what?
0: It comes to the flaming driving guy just staring at him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that oh, scene dude. that scene is just and immediately after that Rick is like dude what the fuck like they have him hostage they'll kill him he's like yeah it's okay you know uh, it'll, it'll be a glorious death this that and Bill Hader again Bill Hader is brilliant in that scene he's yeah. just standing next to uh, Les Grossman being the you know the lackey he's like Wait, uh, and then Les me like down the line, you know, in in after a respectful amount of time, and Bill Hader's he like way down the line, we're gonna file for an insurance <laughs> claim, and then Bill Hader's like we probably make more money that would have lost than we would have lost making this film, and then he says, uh, Rick, you know what's in it for you? Uh, a few million dollars and a G five jet, play, yeah, <laughs> play, yeah, big dick play, yeah, and then Bill Hader's like swinging at the knees. <laughs> And then they start playing LOL, Applebaum G, boots with the fur. Yeah. <laughs> They're both dancing, and Rick is just like, "You, you want me to betray my friend for a G five, a G five jet?" And then they cut the scene there. You don't know what's going to happen, and whether he says yes or no. Oof! I mean, I, that that five to seven minutes, I have laughed so hard. I think I've grown like a six pack just laughing in that scene. It's just oh.
0: It's uh, it, it's the first film the the moment like the one moment in, in the film that I have laughed at every single time I've watched the movie. The first time I watched it, I have la- I laughed so much I started crying. This <laughs> is one. It's so out of the blue because you're just like, oh, it's a negotiating call and you expect it to be tense. <laughs> the way they flip it, with especially with how Tom Cruise plays it, you just don't expect it. I was I had tears in my eyes and it's it's still like I I don't. It's not the funniest moment in the movie for me right now. I'd probably say the the four hundred years moment is hands down <laughs> the funniest moment in the film, or probably one of the funniest moments of all time because it's so well written and yeah. so well executed
1: for four hundred years <laughs> <get this> <laughs> and, uh, and,
0: and the the short reverse shot with that and Valenti Jackson
1: going, "What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, 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 what it, the fuck It is too funny. But yeah, I mean, and I think then, the first time yeah. when I watched it, the impact this scene has was, had was probably unmatched, which is why it's like very vivid in my memory. Like I almost remember his monologue word for word, and I use that opening. You know, whenever I some have a disagreement with somebody in jest, I, I, I've used this oftentimes, times. Right, like, hey, dude, if that's how you feel. First off, take a step back and literally fuck your own face. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it is. Uh-huh. So, what else? Yeah. What else? I think that then we move to oh yeah, the other moment I want to talk about is uh, when they mount a rescue operation to get uh, extract Tuck Speedman and uh, now there are three levels to Robert Downey Jr. He's playing Kirk Lazarus, playing Lincoln Osiris, who's now dressed as a Vietnamese rice farmer. At, at yeah. this point, your brain is on the verge of being frayed, right? Mm-hmm. Like what the fuck is happening? And then uh, they start the the. Flaming Dragon guys start questioning him, and you know, his story starts to fall apart. and The Tran guy is like, Where is your farm? My farm, here's my farm. I'm alleged. No, farm. no, I think <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I think what he kind of slips up. He's obviously speaking broken Mandarin at that point, and uh, yeah, yeah. he initially says Rice Field, and he says, I'm gonna go back to my Poppy Field. Then he's like, What field? He's like, My, and that's when they catch on, and then the what do you farm again? And then he says, I'm a land (laughs) farmer. I'm
1: a land farmer, (laughs) motherfucker.
0: I'm a land farmer, motherfucker. Oh,
1: man. There's that, and And then then there's the whole apocalypse now sequence.
0: Not even that. There's even before, yeah, the apocalypse, no, that's deer hunter, no, is the gun where he's trying to convince him to leave.
1: I thought the whole, I mean, there's the whole scene of, you know, Ben Stiller taking water, putting it
0: on his face. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. The light and shadow falling. That
1: is like clear Kurtz. That's out and out. Yeah, that's Kurtz.
0: Yeah, and then also the, the scene where he's talking to him about asking him to leave and he's refusing to come is that moment where uh-huh. Rob, Robert, Robert dinner and the gun the, is sequence the, from, from the deer hunter.
1: The Russian roulette one, yeah.
0: Yes. So, uh, this, is what, this is what I thought. And of course, there's another moment which I just realized upon watching where Jack Black stumbles into the camp and he discovers this mound of, I assume, heroin. Yeah, and yeah. the way it's shot, it's shot, it's shot like uh, it's a direct tribute to Raiders of the Lost Ark, where Indiana Jones first discovers the idol, and he, <laughs> he takes his hat off and he like goes to the side, and if you look, compare the scene side by side, obviously put them on screen, it's the same shot, it's in the same angle of how Jack Black is looking at the pile of heroin uh, compared to how Indy is looking at the go- at the at the idol from Raiders. So there's
1: that, and, and giant then, like, like, don't judge me. <laughs> don't, uh, <laughs> <face into it. laughs>
0: and then, of course, and through this time, Nick Nolte's character and Danny McBride's character are running through the jungle. And Danny McBride has figured out that Nick Nolte is a hoax. He's just a dude who worked on the coastline, yeah, on the coast guard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and he has I mean, no hooks for uh, There's a whole bit as well, right? Earlier in the film where Nick Nolte is like, uh, I don't know uh, how a gun works i just know the sound it makes when it takes a life and then later on mcbride flips it on him you don't know how a gun works i think you just know the sound it makes when it says a lie <laughs> <laughs> it is like just... danny
0: mcbride is quietly having a great performance on the side
1: yeah this is like great Everyone danny McBride, right yeah yeah he really brings the game
0: and then you have the the part where they run away and this is... This hey, what about the... A, helicopter.
1: The dudes are emerging. There's the whole... we oh, yeah, the dude, <laughs> of course, we we'll do that, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tug Speedman starts calling uh, Lincoln Osiris or Kirk Lazarus' insecurities out, saying, uh, you're just covering yourself with layers of your character because you want to hide or you're afraid of who you really are. And it seems to strike a nerve with Kirk Lazarus. And uh, then he starts taking his big off. like, I don't know if I'm Lincoln Osiris or Father O'Malley, like this Irish accent. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know who I am. And then Jay Barisha and Kevin he looks, the insecurities with you guys is off the roof. <laughs> mm. and then something Jack Black says, so what are we going to do now? Kevin's like, fuck it, we'll deal with it later. <laughs> Just bring him. <laughs> <laughs> and then they run. It, and then, there's and the then they pitch. run. That's a whole platoon runs again.
0: They're about to escape. <laughs> He throws the, the child off the
1: yeah. fridge. He kicks him off the fridge or throws him something. Yeah. The child something. is hugging his leg. He just picks him up, like. eats the child fuck off to <laughs> run.
0: <laughs> and then oh they they shoot the ob like in direct reference to the first part of the film. They they shoot the, the chopper. And <laughs> through the jungle, Matthew McConaughey's Rick comes through and throws a fucking tea box.
1: At the at the
0: at the missile, missile yeah and it explodes. I was like, okay, the TV joke finally came a full circle.
1: <laughs> it is oh man, I have. I feel like that's
0: basically sad. the entire film. Like like you you were true to your word. We discussed the entire film, pretty much.
1: Very little left. So, sure we're missing some yeah. parts. obviously the outro with Tom Cruise just dancing on the screen to "Low," which is of course, a great yeah. way to end the film. And uh, this movie is legend <laughs> it's i think uh now that we've pretty much covered the entire film in memorable moments let's quickly go over the themes i don't, I don't think this movie is like super heavy on themes a lot of which we already know not at all but we should do that and i don't think i want to do the if x does y yeah neither do i because this movie is an untouchable so let yeah. leave it as is so let's get into the themes i think we can we can sort of end it on that note what, what are the themes cool. you think we should discuss
0: uh, how do we where do we start so let's probably start with um i mean it, it tackles the the hollywood industry right and basically the the false facade of of fame like just generally what people do to justify their their presence in or are their wealth their status and like you can tend to get lost in it and a lot of hollywood can be very posturing so this movie takes uh, a lot of pokes at at that part
1: it also calls out uh, the privilege that actors have right actors don't usually want to draw attention to the fact that cool your struggles and all apart now that you've made it you're living a very privileged life they want to make it look like they're you know slumming it out or whatever this movie like hey fuck off like you guys are actors let's let's call a spade a spade so it really put shine's light on on that hypocrisy in the industry
0: then uh, i'd say even stereotypes of course we've spoken about this and i think hollywood has a history of of this of stereotyping certain characters, like Abcino's characters are written like like Tyrese Gibson's characters in, in Transformers, where he's got yeah. one line summarizing the sequence for the, for the rest of the audience. And it's always the black guy who does it, which... Yeah, it's that sassy yeah. black
1: guy who, you know, quippy yeah. guy who just has one-liners, which are some, you know, those then, audience hooters kind of lines, which, there's a yeah. no depth to those characters, which are exactly... Which is quite, the yeah, which is, to which do which with is a terrible...
0: Model. Mm. And uh, you have, of course, a Lincoln Osiris character where we've spoken about the blackface. I think it's other examples include um, Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, that's probably the
1: worst example of it.
0: Yeah. Mrs. Gowrighty, which is just, uh, he plays a Japanese guy. And yeah. it, I, I still can't believe I think that's one of the few things about Breakfast at Tiffany's that really pisses me off but i guess it was just a sign of the times really I guess, so yeah. a long-standing hollywood issue where they cast actors um who are who are supposed to portray a character of a different ethnicity while overlooking actors who could play that role in uh, and are from the same ethnicity this movie came out in 2009 one of my favorite movies came out in 2010 and is guilty of that which i will keep bringing up that is the social network and i don't know how max mingara looks indian the man does not look any. he doesn't look closest to any Indian I know. Uh, him playing Devendra is still a joke. Um, I think a lot of uh, war movie tropes, like yeah, you have exaggerated like. All, Oliver Stone of... must
1: have been like laughing uncomfortably throughout the movie. <laughs> uh, he's like, uh. Am I? Am I the butt of the joke here? <laughs>
0: This is like uh, Captain America and Avengers. I got that reference. So it's yeah. possibly <laughs> what yeah.
1: he must have been like. Uh,
0: and anything else? I, feel I, I think I, I, I want to
1: spend a quick minute on uh, the brilliance of casting Robert Downey Jr. in this role, right? Because up until this mm. point, uh, by and large, he was known as this... A, he was known as a method actor to a degree himself, although he, although he doesn't uh, like to call himself a method actor. He, he's known for his immersion in his roles. And uh, so there was a degree of metaness there itself to get him to play mm-hmm. Kug Lazarus. Also, up until this point in his career, you know, like putting the his uh, addiction and legal issues aside, he was known as a serious actor. It comes from yeah. a pedigree. His dad was a director and actor himself. Uh, his early roles were like stuff like uh, less than zero chaplain. He was nominated for chaplain. If I'm, if I'm remembering yes, it correctly. Mm. So, you know, typical biopics, you know, somebody was angling for uh, recognition. And to this day, like if you, if you look past his comedic chops, you see an actor who takes his craft seriously, who wants to be mm. sure. He's probably the most co- biggest commercial actor of the last decade, but deep down, you know, he still uh, is a serious... You know, he takes his craft seriously. He wants to be appreciated for that as well. So that's the persona he had built up until that point, right? And, uh, okay, for us, maybe we had seen it after Iron Man. But for global audiences, with the possible exception of maybe Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, where you do see his funnier side, people weren't really privy to that. And, uh, yeah. the his, in fact, his previous movie before this was Zodiac, which is like a, a, yeah. you know, a, a mind fuck and a half. Yeah. So, that's the baggage that, or that's the impression that Robert Downey Jr. is carrying coming into this film. And given, like we said, the trailers were misleading, people didn't know what it was about. What a, what a bait and switch, right? To get a Robert Downey Jr. Probably like, people are like, okay, cool, there's some, and the, maybe if the only thing you know about the movie is that RDJ is in blackface, you're probably like, mm-hmm. okay, they are taking some huge risk here. This is a serious actor yeah. who's doing, a, who's making a huge mistake. And then when you watch the movie, you're like, "This was way more genius than anyone could have anticipated, right?" And sure, yeah, for the Oscar knob on the back of it, it was just like cool. It, this, you know, RDJ I think.
0: Back. I think what this what the film did, and this is again a BTS thing, where when they tested it for black critics, because they wanted to make sure that before the film even went out, that they were mm. uh, doing the right thing, and I. I don't know why Ben Stiller has; there have been the internet's kind of forced into apologize for parts of it. I don't think he should apologize for any of it because what he did was um, a sharp take on uh, on a real issue that that plagued the industry for several years. And I've spoken about why and where as well. So uh, I I think for the majority, it remains one of Robert Downey Jr.'s best performances. Yes, he will for the for better or worse. Be always remembered as Tony Stark because he really became that character in the 2010s. Yeah. Um, like I was in the movie, I was in a movie theater for Endgame, and there were people sobbing into their chairs. It was pure hysteria. So, and and to elicit that reaction, it's um, like you must truly ascend to a different strata of fame. But you take that out, take take the Tony Stark character out. He's terrific in Oppenheimer um, as as Strauss as Lieutenant Strauss. And in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is one of my favorite films, so I'm a big Shane Black movie fan. Yeah. Uh, I would have loved to see him in, the, even though I love the Nice Guys, it'd be very interesting to see how he would have done in one of those as maybe in Russell Crowe's character. Even though it that is another great film if you haven't checked out, I must highly recommend that you do. Um, but yeah, I'm just like I'm rambling now. I think this is possibly one of our DJ's best performances, um, and. Yeah, it, in fact, in my opinion it will it stand the test of
1: time. Take. Yeah, mm-hmm. It is RDJ's best performance. I think the hotter take I have is this is Tom Cruise's best performance. You know, Tom Cruise is a superstar, Ooh. he has billions of dollars in business that his movies have done. I have never liked Tom Cruise in any movie more than I've liked him in this movie. You know, seeing I think him in this role like, almost yeah. makes me want to forget his you know his whole Scientology bullshit. Like, Fuck it, dude. This guy is an entertainer out and out, you know.
0: And then Fallout came ten years later. We're like, okay, fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, fair. No, I mean that's what it is—a hot take. I, uh, I don't know. I, uh, I if you ask I, me I on I any I... random day, I wouldn't say this. But if you ask me immediately after I've seen a less grossman scene, I'm like, yeah, dude, this was peak Tom
0: Cruise. <laughs> fair, fair enough. I mean, I, I still think Tom Cruise's best performance is is Magnolia. Right now, it's Magnolia. Maybe because I'm on a PTA PTA uh, kick, I think mm-hmm. no other director managed to get illicit a performance out of Tom Cruise the mm-hmm. way. Magnolia did, yes, he is good in born on the 4th of July, even even if it's slightly over the top at times. Yeah, a, a few little, good men I mean, he's but... good. Yeah. I think even the firm, I mean he's he's in a bit he's a good actor. Uh, but I think in terms of a comedic turn, this is up there with the best.
1: This is something else. But um, I don't know what else, what else did I want to talk about? I think broadly we've we've covered all of it. to address the other controversy, I just wanted to I want to ask you, uh, I know the fact that they use the word retard in the film became controversial mm. and the whole idea of you know poking fun at the expense of uh, mentally challenged people. But if I'm not mistaken, obviously, you know, the terminology for uh, mentally challenged people has been evolving. I'm not sure in yes. 2008 whether retard was an acceptable term or not. If it was, then I feel the error is a lot less egregious. You know, we've, we've gone, it's, it's been a whole... And not to sound insensitive, but there's been a whole merry-go-round of terms, right? There's been you've gone from mentally handicapped to retarded to mentally challenged to differently able to specially able. And at this point, honestly, I don't know what the right.
0: No, I mean definitely. I think see, uh, the way the word was thrown around in the in the early late mid to like late two thousands was like everywhere, right? I mean, and we grew up in Indian schools; it was quite commonplace. And I don't think any one of us really. Sat down and listened to it, but now I think with the way the words have evolved, it's very much the one thing. Given how given how terminology is involved, I think it's the one thing that you could probably accuse this movie of holding back. Not because it's a, and it's just a thing. uh, It's just an issue with it being um, a time sensitive thing, right? Because at the time, it was widely accepted to say it without consequence. Now I feel like even while you were like having conversations I about guess marketing. but I mean, I mean it's...
1: Word, words only have the yeah. weightage that you collectively decide to give them right I
0: mean... yeah you're correct I you know. do mm. but I guess it's like I I believe most public platforms shun the use of it um, mm. especially I know YouTube has an, has an issue with it so mm. um, yeah I guess it's just one of those things that have just aged out it's, it's like it's one of the few things we've left behind so right? I guess it is what it is.
1: You know, it makes signing your mails off very hard. I've I've had a couple of typos where I've ended up writing "warm retards or instead of <laughs> because T and G are right next to each other. But I was like, just before hitting send, like, <laughs> what are you doing?
0: You can just sign it like set up an auto sign.
1: So this is before I was advisor. Hmm. You know, advised and up to hmm. it. it oh rohit <laughs>
0: But but yeah, okay, I guess uh, on on that note
1: (laughs) Surely we can do better, but okay, cool Warm warm regards, warm returns Uh I don't know what that means But yeah, folks Hmm. uh, if you haven't watched this movie please do, please watch it right away Uh, Ideally, I would recommend, again this is just my personal opinion maybe sit back with a drink or uh, something at that you know, chemically alters you, I think, to me at least, that adds to the fun because, mm-hmm. it, it, I don't know, I just find a newfound appreciation for this movie when I'm in specific states, but it is, oof, it is something else.
0: Yeah, it's a—it's—it's it's probably one of the best comedies to come out of Hollywood in the last couple of years, and hopefully we're still talking about it uh, in good stead uh, for yeah. years to come. I think that's the episode. Uh, if you haven't, if you've gotten so far, and if you haven't liked, followed, or subscribed, don't be a dickhead. Like, follow, subscribe. It really helps the channel. No. no uh, if you if yeah. you if you haven't
1: liked, followed, or subscribed, take a step back and literally fuck your own face. <laughs>